Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. All right, so, uh, well, good morning again. It's the second hour of Mornings with Carmen, so I'm already like two cups of coffee into the day, and I sometimes forget to greet you at the outset of the second hour as warmly as I greet you at the outset of the first hour, but then I recognize some people only listen in this hour, and so greetings to you, and good morning, and welcome. Welcome. It's good to be together. All right, so uh, a bunch of people think I should be paying attention to nominations for the Emmys, which apparently have been announced. Um, I will seek to stir up some enthusiasm for that by Friday when we talk with Adam Holtz about such things. But it did get me thinking that, you know what, I had seen um, announcements of two awards that had been uh, given recently. And I thought I had thought about, you know, saving these for conversations with Peter Kapsner because I have so much fun saving headlines to discuss with him on Thursdays. But I thought, you know, people seem to be interested this morning in awards and what who might get awarded what. And so I thought (laughs) I'm going to use my award headlines today. Here you go. Um, This these fall into the category of any group of people can make up a prize about anything. And so if you are in need of being patted on the back for something, there's probably some group out there patting someone on the back for such. So here you go. I have learned that there's an environmental group named Population Matters. Um, So that you know, Population Matters is an organization some 30 years old now whose aim is, quote, to create a wave of public awareness and corresponding policy action on overpopulation and unsustainable human consumption. Um, And so uh, I don't think they've been out near where I live, where there's lots of space for more people. And I totally recognize the concerns in some places in the world related to the density of populations. But the world itself is not overpopulated, just to be clear. Um, So when we talk about consumption, uh, someone earlier in the show pointed out that the issues that we're facing globally in terms of hunger is not that there is a lack of food. God has certainly adequately provided sufficiently for the needs of all. Yes, absolutely. Um, But people do not have access, equal access to all of those resources. And so um, people do go hungry in places where either for whatever reason they cannot produce enough food for their own people or because of greed and um, governments failing to supply for the needs of their people in in seasons of um, famine, uh, people go without. So I I recognize all of that. All right, so here we go. Um, Now that I have... Now that I have said what I have said about the passion of the Population Matters group. All right. They have uh, awarded Prince Harry and Meghan Markle uh, for their decision to limit their family to two children. Maybe you 
uh, are aware that they have had their second child. They have two-year-old Archie, and now they have a daughter who's about a month old, uh, Lilibet Diana. Um, and they then announced that that's it. They're not having any more children. And so Population Matters thought that was a really good enlightened decision. That's the uh, that's the language of the award. And so thought they would give them an award. Um, yeah, there you go. That's the award. I, I, it, do you know what it comes with? It comes with a cash prize of six hundred and ninety five dollars. This is when I say any group of people can stand up an award for just about anything and get national press coverage for doing so. I just find that astonishing. All right, here's my other um, award of the day. Dr. Anthony Fauci has been named the Humanist of the Year by the American Humanist Association. Uh, maybe you didn't know that the American Humanist Association, which is advocating for the concerns and rights of atheists and other people of no faith uh, here in the United States of America, um, they uh, they are working to protect the rights of humanists, and they believe that Dr. Anthony Fauci um, is the humanist of the year. He said, I do look upon myself as a humanist. I do have faith in the goodness of mankind. I'm less enamored of organized religion than I am with the principles of humanity and goodness to mankind and doing the best that you can. Um, okay, so just to unpack that very briefly— um, what are the principles of humanity and what is your understanding of what it means to be human um, apart from the scripture? I mean, apart from what the Bible says about who we are and who made us who we are and who made us as we are. And then how can you appeal to goodness? I mean, I, this is where, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with Jesus here. Who's good? Who's good but God? And, and what kind of appeal to goodness are you making and the goodness of mankind? What kind of appeal are you making? What is good? Um, and yeah, there you go. <clears throat> These would be questions that I would be asking today. Uh, the American Humanist Association, who, by the way, describes themselves as good without God, which if you just take the word good and you mark out the letters that uh, spell God, good without God is... Mm-hmm, Mm-hmm. Well, you can do that. That's a little uh, acrostic you can work on today. John Brandon is up next. He's a Forbes columnist. Columnist. He's also the digital media director here at Northwestern Media. We're going to talk about trolling. He's going to explain trolling to us and what kind of people are trolling. I'm also going to ask what he's learning from his smartwatch. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining me now, John Brandon. You can read what he's writing at Forbes.com. Hey, John, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me again. All right, trolling. What is trolling and what kind of people are doing the trolling? Yeah, I, I probably have talked about this a few times. It's not. It doesn't have anything to do with fishing, so no worries there. But it does have to do with uh, kind of bad actors on social media, online, chat forums, things like that. Uh, this is a fascinating study that I wrote about for Forbes, and it's by BYU. And what they did is they went on Reddit and they kind of did some research. I think they had around 400 people participating 
which in in journalism we would say that's not really a good sample size, but still it's good good research, good institution doing the research. Uh, what they found is that trolls actually have something called the dark triad personality type. And I, I'm curious, Carmen, have you ever heard of that before, the dark triad personality? No, but I was thinking that you and I could stand up an award for the most significant dark triad personality because apparently you can stand up an award for less than $700 and get <laughs> national press coverage. Right. You just have to be uh, – Maybe a really bad person online or something like that, and then you get an award for it, right? So uh, dark triad personality type is something that was new to me, but I've been studying trolls for probably 20 years, ever since the inception of my journalism career and online activity and comment trolling and things like that. And what it is, what they found is that there's certain personality traits, and I'd love to just kind of go through them with you because it's pretty... Pretty fascinating to me to kind of understand. Here's here's kind of the reason for this for me. I've I've dealt with trolls. Um, you know, they're not green monsters in a basement. They're actually real people. Sometimes they work in your same office. Who knows? But they're very active. They're very opinionated. And I've always wondered, like, who are these people? Why do they act this way? And uh, the dark triad personality. So it starts with narcissism. And of course, I don't mean like the everyday, you know, I'm a little bit selfish about my coffee and my donut in the morning. I mean like the classic narcissism. So someone who completely lacks empathy for others. There's this thing called uh, cognitive empathy where you don't really care if other people understand what you're saying. You just under, you just want to say something. And narcissism is kind of living in this bubble of selfishness and you can't see other point of views. You're going to argue endlessly about, you know, what you care about most, and that's really the most important thing. So that's the first part of the triad. It's kind of a triangle. The second one is called Machiavellianism. Sorry to get kind of deep into deep psychology with you today, but this one's also fascinating. It basically means social engineering. It means someone who's out to manipulate you and kind of shake your cage and... Uh, kind of a good example of this one from a few weeks ago, there was uh, the Robinhood app uh, was was basically people were investing, micro-investing, doing that kind of thing uh, with a company called GameStop, who was actually on the decline. And so they tried to kind of game the system, ironically. They did all this investing. And what's crazy about it is I, I read about people who probably maybe young adults, maybe people who don't have rent or a mortgage They'd have like $20,000 saved up, maybe from Bitcoin, I'm not sure. And it's just crazy because they wouldn't really care if they lost that money, if they lost all 20000 And that's Machiavellianism because it means that they're just disrupting. They don't really care if they lose a large sum of money. Um, so that's the second point in the dark triad. And okay. then, of course— so let's oh, pause. Well, yep, let's sure, let's sure. pause. Let's pause there and take a very, very brief break. Um, when we come back, John Brandon and I are going to continue this conversation about trolling and the dark triad personality. We'll be right back. All right, maybe you have been trolled online. Maybe as we're discussing this, you are recognizing, in fact, you are a troll. 
Um, if you have been trolled online, you know not to feed the trolls, um, which is really hard sometimes to do because we desire to defend ourselves or our honor or the honor of God. Um, if you are a troll, we would really love for you to consider um, desisting in this behavior. But in order to do so, you're probably going to have to get some outside help. So we have talked about the dark, the the first two um, legs of the dark triad personality type, a tendency toward narcissism. And then secondly, a tendency toward Machiavellianism, which is, you know, you're really just out to manipulate or coerce other people with the goal of gaining power or control over them, not really with any concern for the outcome. And the third, John Brandon, what is the third leg of the dark triad personality type? Yeah, no, not a big surprise here. It's a kind of psychopathic behavior. So this is where people are very antisocial. They take pleasure in the misfortune of others. It all kind of adds up for me to kind of get this personality type of someone who's just kind of out to do destruction. They're out to make your, you miserable. When you, you just said, you know, don't feed the trolls. Well, why is that? It's because the more you feed them, the more they actually take pleasure in that and the more they're going to kind of come after you. And I actually want to talk to uh, people who have uh, experienced this before. You know, online abuse is a very well-known thing. Uh, You make kind of an innocuous comment about something about politics and you just get flamed right and left. And the reason why I think it's good to understand where people are coming from, if they're an actual troll with this personality type, is it's best to just kind of say, you know what, you you need to deal with, with that yourself and maybe get some counseling. I'm actually in favor of deplatforming people for a while if they need to be deplatformed just to kind of get their act together. But I want to just speak to the person who's experienced this because it's not you. It's not something you've done. Um, you made just a kind of a comment. Maybe it was a little bit of a flippant comment. But someone's coming after you, and it's because they have some stuff that they need to deal with. Um, another thing I wanted to talk to you about, Carmen, I've been thinking about this a lot from a biblical perspective, how to deal with trolls. And and I think that this, this idea of feeding the trolls, it kind of means, you know, I was thinking about Romans twelve eighteen talks about whatever you can do, whatever is within your power, live in favor with God and man. And I feel like that's just kind of a biblical idea of let's just kind of take a breath, calm down a little bit. It's okay. It's just the Internet. And then the other one I was going to mention is Romans fourteen sixteen, uh, which says, uh, don't let what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. And what this gets into, Carmen, is just this idea of the endless debate over nuance and my view and your view and you know we could talk politics you know what time should the polls close in texas what time should they open and it just leads to a lot of argument and maybe we just need to kind of have this attitude of how can we be more peaceful and kind of just get along with people to the best we can all right we um we have a fan out there uh wow you are really intelligent you're very good at your job i'm glad you're on our side (laughs) Nice. I don't know if that's for you or for me, but um, hey, uh, out there, Jeff, out there, you can troll um, John and I anytime (laughs) with that kind of encouragement, right? Let's talk about um, the, uh, just briefly, John, how to encourage people, particularly if I see somebody being trolled and they don't, they keep feeding the troll. Like, how do I say to somebody, I mean, it's hard to do, right? Because it's hard to stop feeding the troll. Um, because you do want to defend yourself, your honor, the honor of God, the point you've made, 
you know, you you don't want to be torched in public, which is what the troll is doing. Yeah, and I and I think just understanding that what what a troll is. There's a journalist for the New York Times that decided to meet with a few trolls who had flamed him personally and criticized him, and he he took him out for coffee, and he sat down with them. I don't I don't know how they smelled or if they you know were green or looked like a a monster or anything, but he did it. And what he realized is that you know they're just they're really angry and and they're really upset and they need to kind of work through a few things, but they are human. And that's really mm-hmm. something that's important to say, too. You know, everyone is created in God's image. doesn't matter what your viewpoint is. doesn't matter where you're coming from. If, if you are a human that in, in, created in God's image, you have value to God. Um, the way to be to kind of, you know, come to God and kind of uh, uh, meet God on his terms is really through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's really where we can start praying for trolls and say, maybe there's redemption for you down the road. But for now, you know what? I'm just going to click X on the little box, and I'm going to say goodbye to you. Uh, All right. Others uh, commenting um, on the the don't feed the trolls um, comment about just how hard it is, whether or not, uh, you know, because it is complicated. You're dealing with people who are um, intentionally seeking to bait you. Um, mm-hmm. into responding. And so I, it is, it's hard. It's just so hard. Um, it denies, if I don't respond, it denies them the pleasure of what they were seeking, um, which is this disruption and uh, and anger and like, right? So it, yeah. it, they may just get, it, they may just foment and get more angry. So I just, it, it is a challenge. Um and yes, I think you're totally right in pointing out that and uh, reminding us that, you know, the people we're dealing with are human. Unless, of course, we're not dealing with a human and we're dealing with a bot. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other discussion, right? <laughs> yeah, because sometimes I'm not actually engaging with a person. I'm engaging with, uh, with a computer program that is designed to respond in, in disruptive ways. That, that yes? was possibly written by a troll that's still trying to rattle your cage and try to get information out of you. So, yeah, the, the best bet is always just ignore it, move on, find other people who want to have a lively, healthy, productive debate with you. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, hey, thank you um, so very much, John, as always. Um, I was going to ask you what you learned from your smartwatch um, and what it's like to ride a motorized assisted bike, because I think that's the kind of bike that I would want. But that is, um, you know, another topic of conversation for another day. Thank yeah. you, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. That's John Brandon. You can find him uh, at Forbes.com. You can also find him um, reviewing all kinds of cool new technologies out there if you just Google him. Yep, John Brandon. We'll be right back. All right, what's for dinner? What's for dinner tonight? Anybody know? Does anybody, like, make one of those calendars and put it on their refrigerator door anymore? Like the what's for dinner list? Yeah, I feel like there's people who do that. Who's coming over to dinner? Do you remember the conversation we had with Rosaria Butterfield uh, a few years ago? Um, The book is The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And she talks in there about the open door and open table policy at their house. So like literally you could just drop in for dinner 
on any given night at their house, which is so cool and utterly amazing. And uh, and the reason that I teed it up this morning is we're going to talk right now with Carolyn Lacey about extraordinary hospitality for ordinary people, seven ways to welcome like Jesus. And it, it, it circles back to the kind of conversation that we had with Rosaria about the gospel comes with a house key. It circles back around to a conversation that we had a number of years ago, um, a book called Jesus Eats with Sinners. Do you remember the turquoise uh, picnic table? I can't remember the title of that book, but this is kind of in that same spirit. Like, right, we are people who are called to be open door, open table, open hospitality people. And yet we've we've sort of psyched ourselves out of that, imagining that everything has to look like, you know, postable to Pinterest or Instagram. So joining me next, Carolyn Lacey. She's going to take the fear out of being hospitable. We're going to talk about extraordinary hospitality for ordinary people. That's the title of the book. Carolyn is the author. She joins us next. Guilt sucks the life out of our souls. Grace restores it. This is Max Lucado. No one had more reason to feel the burden of guilt than did the Apostle Paul. He had orchestrated the deaths of Christians, an ancient version of a terrorist. Yet, Paul gave his guilt to Jesus, period. He surrendered it to Jesus. As a result, he could write, I am still not all that I should be, but I am bringing all my energies to bear on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God is calling us up to heaven because of what Christ Jesus did for us. What would the apostle say to the guilt-ridden? Simply this, rejoice in the Lord's mercy. Trust in his ability to forgive. Cast yourself upon the grace of Christ and Christ alone. This is Max Lucado. All right, joining me now is Carolyn Lacey, author of Extraordinary Hospitality for Ordinary People. You can find it at the Good Book Company. Um, and I have to, Carolyn, I I ask our listeners in advance of this conversation, like, do they plan out the what's for dinner? Do they have the what's for dinner calendar? Um, you know, this idea of hospitality and an open table and so I'd love to um, read you some responses that have come in over the text line just since I asked that question, which was like two minutes ago. Could we start with that? Yeah, that sounds great. All right. So <clears throat> Jennifer says, uh, that's the way that my mom was. Uh, no matter what day, breakfast, lunch, or dinner, we could bring anybody home. She welcomed them into our home. I'm so thankful for that and what it taught me about hospitality. So she'd appreciate that one. And then Jacqueline actually posted her What's for Dinner calendar so that we would know that we could drop in for Sloppy Joe's later in the week, creamy tuna noodle tomorrow night, or tonight we could drop in for ground turkey over brown rice. And looking at the calendar, it appears that she picked beans on the 7th. So maybe we're going to get a side of green beans if we drop in at Jacqueline's tonight. I, I just, I love the spirit of my listeners, right? That sounds great. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about... Um, hospitality, uh, really what you're doing in the book, I think, is is turning what some people experience as a burden and reminding us that it's a blessing. Yeah, absolutely. That's the point of the book, really. Yeah, indeed. 
So it just invite us in. Invite us into extraordinary hospitality for those of us who are totally ordinary people. I'm glad you're ordinary people because I am too. And I think I've I've observed over the years that um, hospitality, some people are great at it, aren't they? We we know the people in our churches who just seem to be able to have people around at a moment's notice and pull out all the stops and do a really good job with dinner and and make people feel at home. And um, and others of us find that difficult for different reasons. It might just be that life's really busy and it's stressful to think that somebody might just turn up and expect feeding. Um, others of us aren't good at cooking or home life's a bit complicated. Um, and so I think it can, yeah, become a bit of an overwhelming burden for many people. But I think that's primarily because we've we've made hospitality more about um, impressing rather than just about inviting people to share life with us in, in whatever that looks like for us. So I, I feel like our culture, perhaps our Christian subculture, has made hospitality a burden perhaps it was never meant to be. And so really my goal in the book is to kind of strip away some of those things and, and look really into the heart of God, his welcome for us, and then think, okay, if we want to be like him in the way we welcome others, what will that look like? like and it won't necessarily be you know fancy food or impressive homes so that's that's really what I'm what I'm inviting people to think about in the book so let's talk about the kinds of people who might um who might show up and this question of like uh, who do I regard as my neighbor um talk about who is my neighbor and then talk about dirty feet yeah, sure. So who is my neighbour? I've really been noticing, oh, certainly in the West and particularly uh, Western middle class culture, which is where I find myself. Um, I, I feel like the question has sometimes been, who must I show hospitality to? Um, who do I have to be welcoming to? And in other words, perhaps who can I get away with not being welcoming to? And so really, I've just wanted to to rephrase the questions. And so in the book, we look at the story of the Good Samaritan. And really, Jesus shows us in that story that we are to be a neighbour to whoever he's put in our path. And how we do that might look differently. You know, there are wisdom calls that we perhaps need to make. Um, But but I think the point is to be willing to be a neighbour to whoever God has placed in my path, because I know that I was once unlovely, unlovable, um, and and not worthy of His care. But He has been a neighbour to me, and so really, I'm just getting us to think about not so much who would I like to invite round or go out for lunch with or a coffee or spend time with, but. Who maybe has the Lord put in my life who I can reflect his welcome to? It might be somebody at work. It might be somebody in my street. Um, it might be somebody that I bump into at the supermarket every week. It might be somebody at church who, you know, I've just noticed sits on their own a lot or seems to be a little bit excluded from conversations. Maybe somebody who finds interactions in big groups hard and overwhelming, but but I'm really encouraging us to have eyes for those people and and ask the Lord, how do you want me to be a neighbour to them? What will it look like for me to reflect your compassionate welcome to them? So, so yeah, that's really what we're 
what we're thinking about um, in in terms of who's my neighbour. And then I suppose hum, like um, the next chapter, uh, washing feet, is is kind of closely connected to that because it takes a degree of humility, doesn't it, to mm-hmm. to be like that, um, to to not think that I'm in some way above serving somebody um, because their status in life perhaps isn't the same as mine or because um, I don't respect some of their political views or or whatever the issue is. Um, But to have a humble heart that that says, actually, again, the the Lord was gracious in reaching out to me. Um, I'm not in a position to be proud and put myself above serving others. Um, And in the book, I kind of look at two ways we do that there's the there's the obvious form of pride which says I'm I'm too good for that person so I'm not going to serve them I'm not going to spend my time with them I'm not going to invite them into my home but there's also a more subtle form of pride which says if I invite somebody into my home they'll see that perhaps I've not got life as together as I come across I'm not assorted or I'm not a good cook or um, I'm not in control of my children, whatever the issue is. And and that's really worrying more about what people think of us than what we can do to serve them. And, and really, that's another kind of inverted form of pride. And so I'm just trying to encourage us to identify some of these obstacles to hospitality, whether it's um, a feeling of superiority or, or inferiority, um, whether there are prejudices we have, and, and really to to look at those and examine those in light of how God so generously welcomes us um, with all our weaknesses and failings. So, so yeah, that's what I'm really encouraging there. All right. I'm talking with Carolyn Lacey. We're talking today about her new book, Extraordinary Hospitality for Ordinary People, Seven Ways to Welcome Like Jesus. She also um, has a blog site, Journey to a Better Country. It's a WordPress site. And on there, you'll find things like, well, she's a snacker, which I'm a snacker. So I liked that post. Um, It's introductions to Bible study, all kinds of great things. So we're going to return to this conversation in just a moment. We're going to talk a little bit more um, about removing those barriers to hospitality. We know that we're called to the extraordinary hospitality of Christ, but sometimes we're just, well, we're reticent to do it. So why is that? And how do we get those barriers out of the way? More with Carolyn Lacey up next. Continuing my conversation with Carolyn Lacey, we're talking about her new book, Extraordinary Hospitality for Ordinary People. Um, Carolyn, we have listeners weighing in, talking about the spiritual heritage of their parents and grandparents, um, experiences of, of, of welcoming homes and welcoming tables, testimonies about um, finding this kind of fellowship at church as well. Um, and then, uh, you know, and then a listener who says, hey, sometimes I really struggle with serving other people who don't believe like me. Can Carolyn talk about building community or sharing the table or hospitality with people with whom we don't agree? Maybe we don't agree with their lifestyle. Yeah, I, I do think that's a challenging issue for many of us. Um, I'm really challenged by the example of Christ and his earthly life and ministry. I 
I'm I'm aware that when I meet with people who perhaps I don't yeah I don't agree with some of their views I don't appreciate their lifestyle um I can try and be outwardly warm and welcoming but on the inside I feel like I've got an inner sneer you know I'm feeling oh I'm not enjoying this or I don't this isn't what I'm called to I don't want to do this and but I'm really struck by just how many different people and unexpected people Jesus reached out to and he's an he's our example but he didn't go to the impressive people he didn't go to the the clean and sorted and have it all together people and um, he went to those who who were messed up and who were broken and um you know we might say these days who who was on a different page to theologically um or or morally and so that's that's our example um but it is difficult and so i think probably we need to be realistic and and start small um so it might be with somebody at work just starting with a smile and a hello and gently trying to introduce some conversation and trying to find some common ground. We, we can normally find common ground with somebody. Um, we're, we all, we're all made in God's image. We, we live in his world. We, we share some similar experiences. I mean, if nothing else, the pandemic. Um, and so we can start by perhaps trying to find some common ground um, and looking for opportunities to, to affirm what we can um, so that we build a relationship um, and then when when things come up in conversation where perhaps we need to express a different view, something that might not go down so well, hopefully we've communicated a sense of love and value and care for that person, honour for them as an image bearer, um, so that they're perhaps less likely to react badly if we, if we hit on some issues that we disagree with. Um, and I think it does take time to do that. But I think starting small and just taking the the regular everyday opportunities to build relationship rather than perhaps go straight into come round to my house for a meal. But if we can start small, I've done this with neighbours, just stopping to chat in the street um, and then making that conversation a bit longer each time, noticing maybe they haven't got their dog with them. You know, what's happened to your dog? Is everything OK? Or, or whatever the issue is. Um, and then maybe just building up to going over to share a cake with them, you know, or something you've made, something you've bought, uh, or inviting them around for a coffee or um, to go for a walk. I think just starting small and establishing a good relationship can be really helpful. So in uh, in the spirit of um, the conversation that I knew we were going to be having today, I mean, this wasn't my motivation, but just last evening. So I... I reached the point in the processing of the amazing peach harvest that we have just had at our house. So we've had some very abundant uh, production on one of our peach trees. And so I'm frankly tired of putting up peaches. Like I've reached that point. And my husband was like, okay, well, so why aren't you then just taking them to the neighbors? Like, just load them up and give them away. And so last evening, uh, just before dusk, I visited four neighbors on our street, two who have just had babies in the last uh, couple of months and an older couple that lives uh, kind of at the corner of the road and another young family. And I just um, uh, delivered peaches from our very abundant harvest and had what I would describe as, you know, just five-minute front porch conversations, checking in on folks and 
getting up to speed on what's happening um, on my street. So it doesn't have to be hard, I guess is what I'm saying. I showed hospitality. People didn't come to my house. I went to theirs, and we had what I would call like front porch fellowship. And let me confess, um, I don't think any of those people are actively engaged in a church of any kind, and I don't know their political views. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think that is, that's such a good practical way to start, isn't it? I think just to do something that's, in, in one sense, it's not extra work for you. You've you've got all your peaches anyway. You need to do something with them. <laughs> so what, you, I was kind you, of eliminating work for myself, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because we tend to think, don't we, that hospitality means working hard, doing it something extra, you know, preparing all day, clearing up all night. But I actually think we, we can start to use our our everyday situations and in some ways that's much more natural with people isn't it um and and yeah just starting small making contact and hopefully a neighbor would now think well you know Carmen came over and did that for me I wonder you know I don't know maybe she's got extra plums or something in the autumn she might think oh I could share some plum jam hopefully it will be more natural and you've just broken down some barriers um, I try and do this in the supermarket as well. I, I go to the same supermarket every week. I try and go to the same few checkouts. So I know four of the checkout staff quite well now. I know their situations. I know enough to say, you know, how's your mum? Or have you heard about this surgery you're waiting for? Or, or whatever it is. And I, like you, I know nothing about their their views on things. But I'm just starting to make f- friendship, really, based, small small efforts at making friendship. Um, and then if some things come out that are a little bit difficult, well, at least it's in the context of I have shown warmth and care and generosity with my time towards them. And and sometimes that's all we can do, isn't it? We, we can't always help how people respond to us, but we can help um, the impression that we've given about how valuable we, we think somebody is and, and, and whether we care for them or not. Which I think reflects right? God's welcoming heart, which is what you are precisely uh, seeking to provoke among us and stimulate uh, within us. So it's the book is, uh, is a gift. Thank you for the conversation today as well. Carolyn Lacey is the author, Extraordinary Hospitality for Ordinary People is the book. Carolyn, what's your preferred place to um, engage with people, um, you know, digitally? Yeah, I'm on so I'm on Twitter mostly. Uh, I think my handle's just Carolyn Lacey. I'm I'm not 100 percent sure, but I'm generally be, on Twitter. It might be Lacey L A C E Y underscore Carolyn. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's me on Twitter. <laughs> I'm I'm I've started to get into Instagram, so I'd love to connect with people on Instagram, but I am new to it, so um, bear, bear with me. Awesome. Well, um, I'm I'm not new to it, and yet I'm not any good at it at all. So there you have it. So Carolyn Lacey, thank you um, so much for joining us today. Blessings on you and yours. Thank you for the gift of extraordinary hospitality and the, the gift of a conversation today. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. It's been great to talk to you. Likewise. All right. We'll be right back. I, I just love you guys. Um, I love all the things that you've been texting in today. Thank you, uh, Jennifer, for sharing your testimony about your grandparents and their dairy farmers, um, the rich spiritual heritage of hospitality that you have. 
Um, I just thank you so much, each and every one of you is listening um, right now. I want you to think of a person whom you have sat with at table anywhere in any context. Could have been at a restaurant, could have been in a home, could have been at a church fellowship event, could have been anywhere. A time when you were sitting with someone in table fellowship and Christ was made known among you in the breaking of the bread. So just go there for a second. Um, where in where have I experienced that kind of table fellowship where Christ has been made known in the breaking of the bread? Let us be those people today, wherever we are, in whatever context, over whatever bread is broken. Let us be the people who make the presence of Christ manifest in a meal shared with another person. Let us uh, allow Christ to make himself known among us in the breaking of the bread. That's the kind of hospitality that God uh, invites us to extend to others. All right, my friends, have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.